We've heard God speak to us through song. Let's hear him speak to us through his word. If you'd stand with me and turn your Bibles to Romans 8, 18 through 28. We stand because we're about to read the only book on this planet that is inspired by God and gives us the hope for this life and the life to come. Romans 8, 18 through 28, where we will see in verse 28 God's unshakable promise to us. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And not only they, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And here's the unshakable promise. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled that we can hold your word in our hands, that we can hear it with our ears, and most of all, that we can receive it in our hearts by faith. We pray that what we have just read, we would be in awe of and hold in reverence because you are speaking. And you're about to speak through our pastor, and it's you that we want to hear from. May you hide him behind your cross. May we hear of your promise to us. And may we understand better the conditions and the, and the parameters of this promise. For, Lord, we need to know what we are truly claiming when we claim your promises. And we need them. Lord, we are here broken, in weakness, groaning, and we're waiting to hear from you. Open our minds. Open our hearts and align us with you and your purposes and your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. All right. I'm glad you're ready because I'm telling you, we are getting ready to summit one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible here as we have been in Romans 8. And we're getting ready to summit to the top in this verse, in next Sunday, and we will conclude it on Easter Sunday. And so for these three Sundays, man, get ready. Because I'm telling you, you are going to be blessed today. 
you are going to be encouraged. And so if you're here and you have been a little down, you've had a bad week, a bad month, maybe you've had a bad year so far, get ready. I hope you're ready because God is going to knock your socks off with what we come to today in verse 28 of Romans chapter 8. What is the greatest chapter in all the Bible? And now we come to what is perhaps the greatest verse in all of God's Word. There are many of you here who, for you, this is one of the most beloved verses of all time in all of God's Word. This verse here that Chris read for us, it brings you comfort in the midst of suffering to know that all things work together for good to those who love God. But for other people, Romans 8.28 is simply one of the hardest verses to believe. For those, instead of finding comfort, this verse, well, it brings them fear. It brings them uncertainty. In fact, when they hear this verse, as we just heard it read, it seems like a, a cruel joke on their lives, that God would even say such a thing to us. And so I want to begin this morning with a question. Do you believe Romans 8.28? Do you believe what God says to you here this morning? Do you believe what Paul writes through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in Romans 8.28? Do you believe that all things work together for good for those who love God? Now let's be honest. Romans 8.28 isn't always easy for us to believe at all times. Would you not agree with that? It's not always easy to believe at all times in our lives, especially when we're in the midst of suffering, especially when we're in the middle of discouragement or difficulty or facing obstacles and challenges. In those moments, it's not always easy to believe. In fact, what happens is we kind of move back and forth on a continuum of three beliefs about this verse. In fact, you see it there in your notes coming up on the screen. At one end is this belief or this idea that nothing works together for good. And then at the other end is all things work together for good. And then in between is, well, some things work together for good. And our thoughts and our feelings kind of move back and forth on this continuum, moment by moment, but often hovering around the mushy middle. No, we're not terrified, but neither are we confident in what God is doing in our lives, what He's allowing to come into our lives. Well, God wants to change that for you this morning. Listen, He wants you and I to leave here this morning, knowing something, knowing that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now this is often referred to, theological term here for you, as the, the providence of God, which is really God's overruling hand at work everywhere in a fallen world in which we live. And confidence in the providence of God, let me tell you, is a faith so bold that we can't just believe it halfway. 
We either believe it or we doubt it. But there's really no middle ground. Either nothing works together for good, we suffer for nothing, and there's no future for us, or all things work together for good. Everything about us matters, and our sufferings in this life are accelerating us into a glorious future. It's one or the other. But one thing let's not do here this morning. Let's not dabble right here in the mushy middle. No, let's not do that. Let's either reject what the gospel does for us wholeheartedly, or let's accept what the gospel does for us wholeheartedly, including what the gospel can do for you, right here in Romans 8.28. Now, I love how Paul starts out this verse. Did you notice it when it was read for you? I love how Paul starts with such confidence about the truth and the reality of this verse here, when he writes, and we, what's he say? And we know. Now what we see here is a contrast of no's that Paul's presenting before us. If you go back to verse 26, Paul writes, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But now, here in verse 28, he writes, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. So what a contrast. Paul is telling us there are some things in this life we don't know, while there are other things we do know. The first knowing concerns the details of what God is doing in our lives. And there's so much about our lives we just don't know, right? There's so much about our lives we don't even understand. But the second knowing here, it concerns the providence of God working in our lives. And knowing this truth, what Paul writes here in Romans 8, 28, knowing this, let me tell you, it makes a powerful difference in our lives today. As John Piper writes in his book, Future Grace, listen as I quote his words. He says, if you live inside this promise, this massive promise, your life is more solid and stable than Mount Everest. Nothing can blow you over when you are inside the walls of Romans 8.28. Outside, though, of Romans 8.28 is all is confusion and anxiety and fear and uncertainty. But once you walk through the door of love into the massive unshakable structure of Romans 8.28, everything changes. He goes on and he says, there comes into your life stability and depth and freedom. You simply can't be blown away anymore. The confidence that a sovereign God governs your good and bad and all the pleasures you'll ever experience is an uncomparable refuge in security and hope and power in your life. Now that's what Paul wants us to know here leaving this morning. So amid all of these perplexities, all of the uncertainties that we see on our television stations, read on the internet, and converse with at the workplace and with friends and neighbors, among all of that chaos in our world, what is something certain that we can know here this morning? We know this. All things work together for good to those who love God. Knowing this truth 
breaks down into four parts that I want us to look at here for a few minutes. Notice the first one. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Paul says God's promise is true for all things, knowing that we will probably respond with questions like, well, what about bad things that happen to me that are not my fault? What about bad things that happen to me that are my fault? What about bad things that happen to others, whether it's my fault or not my fault? And we can almost imagine Paul saying somewhat insistently, hey, read the sentence again. What does it say? It does not say, does it not say all things? All means all. Now, I want you to notice very clearly here, coming up on the screen, here's what God wants you to know this morning. And that is, all things work together for good for you. Not some things, or most things, or just good things. But all things, including bad things, evil things, and painful things. Now, stay with me here. Listen to what Paul is saying and not saying. There's a distinction that he's making. Paul is not suggesting that bad things won't happen to us. He's not saying that if you're here this morning and you're a child of God, bad things, evil things, and painful things will not happen to you, will not come into your life. I mean, think about it. How could Paul possibly say such a thing when he writes so much about suffering that we as Christ followers should expect in our lives? In fact, one of the very first lessons that Paul learned himself during his first missionary journey was this one, when he writes in Acts 14.22, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So perhaps you came to Christ. You put your faith and trust in Christ for your salvation. And you came to him under the assumption that all your troubles would just magically disappear. But that is simply not true. Do bad things happen to God's people? Absolutely. Disease, bankruptcy, divorce, and a thousand other bad things occur in the lives of God's people. But listen to me. God takes all these things, both the bad things and the good things, and he uses them for our good. Consider just a few characters, a few people in God's word that we could look at as examples of this. One of the more famous ones is Joseph. You remember Joseph, right? You've heard of him. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He's, he's falsely accused of rape by Potiphar's wife, and, and now he's sentenced to prison. But then he finds favor in the eyes of Pharaoh, and he becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt. Remember at the end of his life what he then says to his brothers? Oh, it's an amazing statement of faith in God. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, but here's what he says. You, speaking to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. How about Job? Here's a man who lost everything he had, including all ten of his children, in one catastrophic day, and yet he declared, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And when his health had been taken from him, he said to his wife, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? Even the Apostle Paul, who writes this, speaking of his own imprisonment in Rome, 
wrote to the Philippians, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So all things here, when Paul writes that phrase, all things, it must extend to literally what? All things. Or else Romans 8.28 loses its force. It loses its meaning and its relevance and its practice practical uh, application to our lives. Listen, if there is one single experience of life that falls outside of the range of all things, then we can never rest assured that God's love employs the worst of life for his loving purposes. But if all things means all things, then we don't ever have to wonder, well, is, is this the moment when God is abandoning me? Have I just stepped outside of the scope of his power and his claims and his purposes and his care? No, God's promise is comprehensive. We know that all things, including good things and bad things, work together for your good. Why? Oh, get this. Because your life is God's strategy for the display of his grace. And that's what he's working after in your life. That's what he's working towards in your life. Notice number two, what we know. We know that all things work together. All things work together for good to those who love God. Ever since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and fell into sin, God has been taking mankind's sorrows, your sorrows, my sorrows. He's been taking our sorrows and our pains and our sufferings and bending them around to serve his own loving purposes in our lives. Some people, though, believe that life is kind of like a roll of the dice. Go to Argosy Casino and you play craps. You just roll the dice. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And they believe that after a tragedy, God shows up then to come and make everything come out right. But that is not the biblical view that the Bible presents to us. In fact, I want to just encourage you to, to grip your mind and your heart around these two perspectives that are needed when it comes to what God is doing in our lives. First of all, notice this. We need a perspective that sees the work of God in our lives, not luck or chance or blind faith. On this very day, God is going about unseen in your life and mine, and he is moving his loving purpose forward in a thousand different ways that are beyond our comprehension at times, that are mysterious at times. God is even at work for us when others are at work against us. Going back to Joseph, remember what Joseph said to his brothers? You, you guys, you meant it for evil. But God, God meant it for good. They had betrayed him. They had sold him into slavery. They meant Joseph harm. But God was also at work in that very situation. Joseph saw that two intentions can guide one single event. You have a human intention on behalf of his brothers. And that intention was harm. It was evil. You meant it for evil, Joseph tells them. But you also have a divine intention in that circumstance of Joseph's life, in that experience. 
God was at work. Joseph declares, but God meant it for good. And so the purpose of Joseph's brothers, yes, it was evil, it was murderous, but the purpose of God in that same event was life-giving. And let me tell you, God's purpose overruled their purpose. Not right then, necessarily. Joseph couldn't see it overruling, but in the end, he did. In other words, God meant the evil, bent the evil human act around toward a beautiful divine outcome. And here in Romans 8, 28, Paul's point is this, that God's, God works this way in all things, even when evil is intended in our lives. Paul is saying that every evil you can imagine is turned by God for your good. That includes things like death. Sickness, marital strife, job problems, financial stress. And Paul is coming to us with an overwhelming truth, an unshakable promise, and he wants us to know that God causes all things to work together for your good. Your husband's having an affair. God causes all things to work together for good. Your wife wants a divorce. God causes all things to work together for good. Your job has been terminated. God causes all things to work together for good. God causes every single event in your life to do what? To work together for your ultimate good. I like how one commentator puts it. He writes it this way. Believers may be depressed at the harsh conditions of their lives, but they should bear in mind that through it all, God is working out a great purpose. No matter what the circumstances, that purpose will not be overthrown, and it culminates in final glory. I love that. Do you realize what this means? Man, let this, let this grip your heart. This is one of the most comforting promises in all the Bible. Romans 8.28 is telling us that there is no meaningless sufferings out there. There is no wasted suffering, and there is no purposeless experience at all in the totality of our lives. Amazing. Every single event in your life is used by God to bring about His purpose for your glory. This answers the question, where is God when it hurts? And oh, how we often ask that question in our minds and our hearts. Where is God when it hurts? Let me tell you, God was there before the hurt. He's there when it hurts, and he's still right there after the hurt. God is actively at work in your life. Not chance, not luck, not karma. Is Paul saying that whatever happens is good? No. Is Paul saying that everything will work out if we just muster up enough faith? No. Is Paul saying that, that we will understand why God does what he does, why he allows suffering and tragedy to come into our lives? No. So what then is Paul saying? Think of it this way. He is putting up a sign over the unexplainable events of our life, and that sign simply reads, Quiet, God at work. Now, I can, I can grab hold of that one. I don't know about you, but I understand that. I can grip my heart around that. 
I can let it grip my heart. I can find comfort in that and confidence that, quite, God is at work in my life even when I don't see him at work, even when I don't understand his work. Hallelujah to that one. But we need another perspective. We need a perspective that sees the long term of God at work in our lives, not the short term. So much in life looks like a random mess, does it not? I mean, have you looked outside lately? Have you watched the world news? So many things in life seem unexplainable. Why does a tornado destroy one house and leave another untouched? Why does a tumor come back when the doctor said he thought he got it all? The list of questions is endless. And seen in the short term, they make no sense whatsoever. And our danger is that we will judge the end by the beginning. Or to be more exact, we will judge what we cannot see with our human limited sight by what we can see. But the very opposite is true. We ought to judge the beginning by the end. And here's where Romans 8.28 gives us some real hope when Paul says, and we know that all things work together for good. That phrase there, interesting phrase, work together. Very interesting. It's one word in the Greek. In fact, we get our English word synergy from that phrase. Synergy. What is synergy? Synergy is the combination of many elements to produce a positive result that neither could be produced on their own. That's the idea here that Paul's telling us when he says that God causes all things to work together. Many of the things in our lives that makes no sense when seen in isolation are in fact working together to produce something good in my life. There is, in other words, divine synergy going on, even in the darkest moments, a synergy that produces something positive, and the good that is ultimately produced could not be produced any other way. Romans 8.28 is making the astonishing claim, the unshakable promise that God is at work behind the scenes in all things so that the various experiences of our lives coordinate together to advance God's loving purpose. Now, question. Why is that so important? Why should I care about that? What difference should that make in my life? Why does Paul want us to know this truth? Well, remember what Paul has just wrote to us, what he has just said to us here in Romans chapter 8, specifically going back to verses 18 through 27. Paul tells us that we have a future hope in glory that is for certain, it's for sure. In fact, you have, Paul says, the first fruits of that future hope or glory. And what is the first fruits of it? It's the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. And then Paul tells us that the same Spirit helps you in your weaknesses, in your groanings, in your sufferings, and prays for you when you can't even find the words to pray. And you may be tempted to say to yourself, well, it doesn't feel like the Spirit is praying for me. Have you ever thought that? Sure, you're lying if you haven't. And it doesn't feel like the Spirit is helping me in my weaknesses right now. 
I feel weaker than ever. My circumstances are so dire, I feel abandoned my God. And Paul now comes to us in this verse, and he says to us here, don't despair. You not only have a future hope that's guaranteed, you not only have a spirit who's praying for you, but in every single event in your life, let me tell you, it is being used by God to work together for your ultimate good. That's what Paul is, is telling us, to lift us up, to encourage us to not quit in our journey in the Christian life. To not give up, but to persevere in this hope. Do you know this? Let your heart be gripped by it. Let your heart be gripped by this unshakable promise. Meditate on this and be encouraged. But Paul's not done. Paul tells us we know something else about God's unshakable promise. Number three, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now, again, please understand what Paul is saying and not saying. Paul is not saying that all things are good. There are many things in this world that are not good. Right? We know that cancer is not good in and of itself. Injustice is not good. Evil is not good. Divorce is not good. Death is not good. And there's a plethora of other things in life that are not good. So we must define the word good here in Romans 8.28. This is the crux of the matter. Paul says that all things work together for good. So what then is the good that Paul is talking about? Now for most of us, good equals things like health, wealth, and happiness, right? Loving relationships, a job that pays well, and a nice place to live, and enough time and money to take vacations and relax and enjoy life. That's the good life. That's what good means for us. In general, we think the good life simply means a better set of circumstances. But God has not promised us such things in this life. So in this case, we don't have to wonder what Paul means, though, when he uses the word good. Paul actually defines it for us in the next two verses, which we will look at in detail next Sunday. In verse 29, look what he writes. He says, for whom... He foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And there it is again in the next verse. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. That is the good God is striving after in my life and in your life. So we can define good in this way. Let me summarize it for us. And coming up on the screen. God's good is to use all things to make you glorious like His Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, God is at work in your life to make you more like Jesus Christ. Therefore, anything that God uses to make you more like Jesus is, in God's definition, is what? Good. And anything that pulls you away from Jesus is well, it ain't so good. When Paul says that all things work together for good, he's not saying that the tragedies 
And the heartaches of life will always produce a better set of circumstances for you. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. God is at work in your life. And He is patiently molding you and shaping you. And He is using good things and bad things working together in your life so that in the end, you will be what? Glorious like His Son, Jesus Christ. But all of this brings us to a problem. I'll be the first to raise my hand on that one. A problem that we often have with this verse here in Romans 8.28. And that problem is simply this. Our good and God's good are not always the same. In fact, oftentimes they are polar opposites. They're not even in the same parallel universe. Why? Because what do we want in life right now? We're striving after happiness, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's the kind of happiness and the means we seek to achieve it. We want happiness and instant gratification. In other words, we want the good life as defined by the world, oftentimes. And some of those things, many of those things in and of themselves are not bad. That's not what Paul is saying. Meanwhile, God is using all things to make us like Jesus, which ultimately is the good life, which will ultimately culminate in our glorification. When God brings us all the way home to glory, when we will experience once and for all the good life as God intended it for His children. Does this include the worst that happens to us? Yes. Does that include the bad things that hurt us deeply? Yes. Does that include the times when we are heart, heart I can't even get it out, are heartbroken? Yes. Does that include the times when we sin? Yes. Does that include times when we doubt God? Yes. Listen, God is always at work in our lives. Nothing happens to us outside his sovereign control that he doesn't use to make us like Jesus. Do you know this unshakable promise of God? Listen, we know it not by looking at the events and the circumstances of our lives. If you continually focus on what's happening to you, around you, who's doing what to you and not doing what to you, what circumstances are happening in your life, if you look at the outside, you will never know the truth of this promise. We don't know the truth of this promise by looking to the events of our lives, but by knowing God himself. That's how we know this truth. The one who is sovereign over all things happening in our lives. Yes, there are many things we don't know. We don't know why babies die. We don't know why cars crash or why planes go missing or why earthquakes happen or why families break up or why people get sick and suddenly die. But this, Paul says, we do know. God is always at work in our lives, making us more like who? Jesus Christ. There's one last thing Paul wants us to know about God's unshakable promise. Number four, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now, 
we must understand the limitation of this verse. Romans 8.28, listen to me, is not for everyone. This is not a blanket statement for every person in the world. The promise that God will turn all things for good is not true in everyone's case. This is a promise for believers in Jesus Christ. The only ones who can claim the promise of Romans 8.28 are those, Paul says, who love God. And who are those who love God? Paul defines it for us in the very next phrase. They are those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, they have responded to the call of the gospel because God has called them to that. They've repented of their sins and they have trusted Christ as their Savior and Lord. And so now they love God. They love God and God has called them to their, his purpose. Don't miss the implications of this verse. If you're here this morning, and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ yet, you're not trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation, and the Spirit, God's Spirit, doesn't dwell in your heart, then this is not a promise for you to claim. And the implication of that is all things are not working for your good. In fact, I say with loving kindness, just the opposite is true. Listen to me. If you're not a believer in Christ here this morning, then all things are working for your harm. You say, Bruce, how can you say that? Where do you get that from? I mean, man, that's pretty depressing. I thought I, thought I came here to be encouraged. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. Paul writes this, this, he says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, now that phrase, stubbornness and unrepentant heart, that is a description of my life before God's grace intervened in my life. That's a description of me before God opened up my heart and my mind to see my need as a sinner for Jesus Christ as my Savior. And Paul's now describing people who are still in that spiritual condition in life and he says but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed please listen outside of Jesus Christ there is no forgiveness of sin there is no hope for you Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no justification. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no eternal life. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is only condemnation. There is only damnation waiting for you at the end of your life. And you may be wondering, where's the good news in that? Well, good news is only good in the face of what? Bad news. And outside of Christ, we remain in our spiritual condition outside of union with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, there is only bad news waiting for us at the end of our lives. The good news, though, 
Hallelujah. The good news is God loves you. Amen? In fact, God loves you so much, He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins so that through your faith now in Jesus Christ, when what He did on the cross and paying for the penalty of your sins on the cross, God now can declare you righteous as Christ. And you now can receive His gift of eternal life and you can claim the unshakable promise of Romans 8.28. Now that's good news. The good news is you are here today and you are hearing the call of the gospel. This is what the gospel is. And it's going out to everyone here this morning. A call to repent of your sin. A call to turn to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the good news here this morning is you have an opportunity today to respond to God's saving grace in Jesus Christ. That is great news in the face of the bad news. Romans 8.28 is an unshakable promise of God. And what is that promise? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Amen? I tell you what, let's say it aloud together. You should have it memorized by now. It was all four points. Can you say it with me by memory? On the count of three, one, two, three. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. So, here's the question. Here's the question. Is Romans 8.28 true for you? Is what Paul writes here in this verse, is it true for you? If you're here this morning, and you can cry out, boy, that verse is true for me, and I know it is, then rejoice. Rejoice and praise God that He is working all things together for your good. But if you're here this morning, and that verse is not true for you, then can I encourage you to respond. Respond to God by receiving His saving grace in Jesus Christ. The gospel calls out to you. And this promise can be true for you as well. If you will respond to Jesus Christ by faith in Him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this unshakable promise that you have given to us through the Apostle Paul. Lord, we ask that you would hide it deep within our hearts and may we live like we know it to be true in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would draw those who do not yet know you to yourself. We ask that you open their hearts to see their need for your Son, Jesus Christ, and to give them the grace to trust Jesus for their salvation. Lord, we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. With your head still bowed, listen again. Let me encourage you. If Romans 8.28 is true for you, then right now, right where you're sitting, rejoice in prayer. Cry up to God and give thanks in prayer that God is working all things together for your good. And if you're in a situation right now where you're doubting that a little bit, ask God, God, help me to believe. 
Help me to trust you even more. Give me your grace. Extend it to me to believe this with all my heart. But perhaps you're here and you know within your heart, deep within your heart, boy, this this verse is not true for me because I'm not in Christ. I have yet to believe, yet to confess him as my Lord and Savior. Then right now, respond. Respond to the gospel and cry out to God and ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and put your faith and trust in him and receive Jesus Christ as all your hope for your salvation in this life and the life to come. As the praise team sings, will you respond in the way that God is leading you?